0: Hello, I'm Scott Salter and this is View from the Ninian. Today, we're going to be looking forward to welcoming West Ham to the Cardiff City Stadium. We'll also be looking back at that loss to Wolves, three losses in a row for the Bluebirds, three really poor performances. Here's hoping that Neil Warnock can sort the lads out and we get back to winning ways and get the survival fight back on track against West Ham on Saturday. I'm joined today by View from the Ninian's very own Paul Grono. And we're getting the away preview from Rick, a West Ham fan. Enjoy.
1: Mr. Paul Groner, hello. Mr. Salter, how are you doing? Yes, very well, thanks. How about you? Uh, Just about recovered from Saturday, my friend.
0: Yes, yeah. On Saturday's game, obviously, it was another loss for Cardiff City, two nil. Um, what did you make of the game? You wrapped the game, weren't you?
1: Yeah, as warned on previous podcasts, <laughs> I've never yet seen us pick up a point away from home. <laughs> uh, so don't go
0: again for the rest of the season.
1: I can, I can reassure all the listeners. I will not be attending another away game this season. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: what's you make of the game, Paul? Obviously, I, I was actually sat next to the pool in, in sunny Spain watching it, uh, watching it online. So, obviously, watching it online or on a computer is very different to being at the game. So, what was your point of view from the game? What did you make of it?
1: So, heading up there, uh, good feeling. Genuinely thought we were going to get a 2-1 a win along the lines of we're a bit of a bogey team for Wolves and so on. Um, just thought Neil would get them right up for it and we give him a, a, a good go. Uh, saw the line-up and was baffled um didn't still didn't put me off didn't i didn't question this prediction i'd had in my mind of two one and then the game started and for about ten minutes it was quite positive on the front foot uh cardiff's front front three um pressurizing them um seeming to put them onto the back foot and then the goals began to um come and it all went to pot. And from then on in... That
0: that sort of two, three-minute spell, wasn't there, where it just fell apart?
1: Yeah, just like the Watford game, um, and to a certain extent, it felt a bit Everton in terms of not so much quick goals, but flat and um, seemingly lacking in ideas when it came to the final third. So overall, um, disappointed. Even now, a couple of days on, I still feel um, really quite melancholic about it, and quite disappointed with the the whole thing.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things that, that that stood out to me, and um, I, I did the view from linear analysis uh, this evening. And one of the things that struck me was Warnock's selection and that change in tactic. And it, it looked as though he sort of set us up in a in a diamond formation with, with Gunnison mm. at the bottom, uh, Rawls and Camarata and then Bobby Reid at the tip. And, and one of the things that stood out to me was how isolated we were on the wings in terms of Adama Traore in particular is, is a massive danger. You know, we saw in the championship and he's shown this season as well, how dangerous he can be in the pace that he's got. And, and we almost gave him a free hit at Bennett, you know, saying, come on, come at us one at one. And I think if we'd had a, a winger out there that maybe could have pushed him back a bit, but also doubled up on him with Bennett, um, it would be better. And I saw a stat that Traore completed more take ons than, than any other player in the Premiership this weekend. So, you know, it shows it shows how dangerous he was.
1: Couldn't live Cardiff couldn't live with him. Um and he knew it almost from the word go that all he had to do was knock it past them and run. Um all of our defenders struggled um to keep up with him. Bamba's injury, I think, I may be wrong, but I think it was Caused by a tackle on him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bennett was kind of one to one with him out on deep on the wing, but completely isolated. There was no one with, you know, anywhere near them to the point where they were almost out of the game for large periods of time and you just forgot that they were there. Um, and I think it was the Walls number five Bennett, the one that should have been sent off. Yeah. Um, he had so much room every time, he was the spare man the goalkeeper or the other defenders were picking him out time after time after time. He had acres of space to just pick his pass and start the the, the uh, movement again. It was so frustrating to watch on the sidelines. Um, they just had acres and acres of space and they and they made us pay.
0: I think that's one of the the big differences between the two sides. Obviously Wolves have got better players, you know, uh, European Championship winning players and, and have spent a lot of money, but you mentioned there about Bennett getting the ball, and you know he's a big, single centre half. But the the comfort that he and, and all throughout the team, the comfort they showed on the ball, was just a stark contrast to Cardiff. And one of the things that's worried me in the last, probably in twenty nineteen actually, is is how much we've struggled to keep the ball. Yeah. We're really struggling to string five yard passes together, and you can get away with it to an extent in the championship you know, club passes and then hooping the ball long but in the premiership sometimes you need to put your foot on the ball and keep possession even just to relieve pressure on yourself.
1: Absolutely. I think having watched now a number of games um, recently there's a combination of factors at play that um, one of them is that they don't have the confidence to do it. They're fearful. They're playing with a spirit of fear um, not wanting to make the mistakes but thereby kind of inviting the pressure and then making the mistakes which lead to the goals. Um, Secondly, they don't have the movement that other teams have. Cardiff appear to be quite static. Um, A lot of teams play with rotation now. There's a lot of give and go. There's these triangles. There's always players running between the lines. And this is something that Cardiff City don't have. Um, And so when you've got Victor Camaras on the ball, he always managed to find time and space, but there isn't anyone for him to find. Yeah. So invariably Cardiff were going sideways, or Caltier, you know, was getting quite far up the pitch, and Bennett was getting, and they would stop, turn, and it would end up going back to the halfway line to Manga or Bamba uh, or Morrison, and it was really frustrating. They just seemed to lack ideas. That lack of confidence and the lack of movement is beginning to tell now, and it's it's a bit of a vicious circle, really. Um, we're losing, we're getting into a bit of a spiral, the fans are struggling the team is struggling on the pitch um, and you wish somebody would take control of it and say you know, let's have a bit of composure here lads, let's let's just put 10, 20 passes together and just show ourselves if nobody else that we can do it and we belong at this level we've seen them do it this season
0: Yeah and that's one of the things I think that that Harry Arta brings to the side while while he can be erratic at times and, and is you know, kind of an all-action midfielder. He does make himself available a bit, and he, he does try and sort of make things happen, perhaps not always successfully. But it's been interesting that Warnock's left him out the last last few games. Is that two games in a row he's not even made it off the
1: bench? Yeah.
0: Um, you know, which has really surprised me. Um, there's something
1: going on, isn't there? I don't know whether it's injuries or... And there's something that's not being said publicly, yeah we're seeing the fruit of it on the pitch but they're not actually clarifying just what it is that's that's going on because there seems to be strange team selections which we could understand if there was some sort of injury crisis um and also a total totally different kind of ethic and and vibe and and feel about the team yeah. warlock always said you know like there's one thing that you can't question and that's my team's work ethic and passion and and and, and integrity and that is something that we've been questioning in the last few weeks, and I never thought we would. Yeah, but they, they seem to be really struggling, and I always wanted us to go down fighting if we were going to go down, and it doesn't feel like we've been doing that the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, and on Arta, I mean, this is me completely speculating. I'm, I'm far from in the know, but Arta's a, a passionate but also experienced player, and he's always demanding more, isn't he, on the pitch? You can see mm-hmm. him, if we can see he's the one Trying to you know get us back up and and if spirits and it wouldn't surprise me if if he's quite outspoken in the in the changing rooms and I wonder whether him and Warnock have fallen out or him and some of the staff if he's questioned some things you know from his experience of, of playing in the Premier League and being in these situations
1: yeah um, quite again, possibly maybe yeah
0: that's me completely speculating so plausible
1: uh, plausible
0: yeah, don't want to be quoted on that uh, mm, but yeah. it, it, it's bizarre that it? you, you you talk there about. There's something that's, that that we maybe isn't being spoken about, whether there's a, a feeling or or the lack of worth ethic. But it's crazy, isn't it? How quickly the mood around the whole club can change. And you know, throughout the whole season, and particularly after the the sort of Southampton win, we had those two wins, and moods we are high. Everyone was on a high. We were staying up all this. Three games later, people are
1: calling for Walnut's head. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, I that I don't understand. Um, for me, Warnock's is the right to stay regardless, even if we don't win another point all season, uh, given what he's achieved so far. Um, I'm not one of those less, you know, if we change it now, we might stay up. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with the hysteria surrounding Warnock's position. I don't think that he's beyond criticism. I do you know, t- completely understand why people are starting to question what is going on, and he's the man responsible for it, ultimately. Uh, but I don't agree with that whole, you know, Warnock should should go. I mean, yeah. if you ask me, he's gone anyway at the end of the season, regardless.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, it,
1: whether we stay up or down, you know, it, it may be a, a final hurrah for him. Um, or it may be, thank you, I've tried my best, but it didn't quite work out. And it was the stresses and strains off the pitch that took their toll. But, um, you know, he'll leave with my gratitude and thanks but I, I would really like to see him kind of get into the players now and say, you've got to show more. You've yeah. really got to show what you were showing a couple of months ago.
0: Yeah, and and Charlie Cottrell on, on the site this week wrote a really good piece about finding the line between being able to question and criticise um, Warnock and, and, and calling for his heads and the extremes. and It's a really good piece and he hit the nail on the head in that it's OK to... Criticise Warnock and to to question decisions and the team in general, but that doesn't mean that we're turning on on the team. Yeah, absolutely, um, I
1: agree. It was excellent, and I don't think many of us have turned, if you like, for that expression, in terms of um, you know exaggerating and kind of throwing our toys out with a pram. But it's, we only want to see what we know the team can can uh, you know do, and we've yeah. seen better, and that's all we expect, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and I, you know. Coming into the season and throughout the whole season, we've all been fully aware that there are 19 better teams than us, yeah, in terms of quality. But we would, we have picked up points, and we knew we would pick up points through hard work, ethic, and and togetherness. And you know, it's cliche, but that is what has kept us going. And that's what's been slightly disappointing in that we've we've lost a sense of that. in the last, you know, maybe a month or so or the last three games. But what I will say on, on those maybe calling for Warnock's head and, and just to make it clear, I completely disagree and, and I agree with you that Warnock should be given the rest of the season. But what I will say is that if if the Cardiff board think that Warnock should go now they have to do it now and they have to have someone lined up because for anyone to have an impact over the nine games, they've got to come in and do something now.
1: Yes. There's no um, point yeah, I agree with that.
0: About with it. If they don't think Warnock's up for the job and they want to replace him, they have to have someone lined up, ready to go straight away now. And I don't think they, they will, and I don't think they do. So, for me, Warnock's the best, the best man for the job and should 100% see out the season because this is his team. He's built this team. He's you know, got us completely unexpectedly to where we are. And at the end of the day, we're still in two points from safety.
1: Yeah. Should should Cardiff be doing a Fulham, and hiring the kind of Craig Bellamy figure, to, well, in preparation for next season, if you like? I mean,
0: who knows what's happening with with Craig Bellamy? That's another another point. But I mean, yeah. Fulham. Oh. Are down, aren't they? I think I think that's yeah. why they've they've gone down the Parker route. And I know, there's, you know, I'm sure he's preparing for next season. And if Cardiff were in that position, I'd say, yeah, you know, get Bell and in ready for that. But you know, with two points from safety. A win on the weekend and Southampton lose, and we're outside the relegation zone. You know, it, it yeah. really is fine margins. Um, But, you know, we've got a tough run. And and that that starts, obviously, with the visit of West Ham on Saturday. And earlier on in the season, it was a 3-1 loss um, at the London Stadium, of course, now. And the Rawls obviously missed that penalty. And that was a turning point. It it feels like it's so many times this (laughs) season. You know, we've been doing OK. We've been containing teams. We've been OK. And then we either miss a big chance or make a mistake, like Rawls' penalty miss. Um, which obviously I think was that Camarasa really wanted to take it, didn't he? And and Rolls stepped up and missed it. Yeah. Um, and then we fell apart then. you know, Two quick, or well, three quick, quite cause quick concessions and goals from two from Perez and Antonio. Murphy grabbed a, a late equaliser. And, you know, there's no shame in that loss because West Ham has been a good team this year. But the home time now, we really have to pick up at least a point, you know, three points really considering the games we've got after that.
1: Yeah, if you're serious about staying up, you know, you've got to look at this as a, you know, you can't go in there wanting anything else other than a win. Um, you know, fully appreciating how difficult that's going to be. West Ham should never have been near the bottom of the table, uh, where they were at the beginning of the season given this squad yeah. and the manager, the way he's been backed in in the uh, transfer window. Um, this squad is far superior to Cardiff's. They've always been a bit of a bogey team for us. I've never felt confident playing West Ham. That Malky's first game, late Kenny Miller winner, was a complete shock. Um, I don't ever remember us beating them before or since, but I'm sure someone will pick me up on that. But West Ham, for me, is one of those games where I kind of go, well, that's a loss. Even though we have, you know, we should, by all rights at home, be thinking, well, we could give these guys a game. But that story that you've painted, you know, the the mistake, the mischance and the capitulation. How familiar is that now? That's been repeated time after time after time. Yeah. Cardiff have not taken the chances and all of a sudden they find themselves two goals down, thinking, Well what are we gonna do now? You know, we've we've given ourselves a mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. If they would only stop that those quick successive goals, that would that that's half the battle. I'm yeah. sure the defense know that you know this is not something new to them. I'm sure, and they'll probably be as more annoyed about it than we are. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, Bamba's mistake against Wolves was, was was a classic one. In the, mm, so uh, frustrating. It's classic Bamber, isn't it? You, yes. He gets away with them so many times that he's always going to be caught out every now and then. But it's so frustrating, and it's he he's better than that. But it's just those. Over- it's because he's oh, not necessary. Yeah, it's so Just complicated let it go. in a simple situation. Just whack it. I <laughs>
1: Just... know that's, they don't like that in the Premier League, do they? You know, it's kind of like you've got to play it off the back. But Cardiff don't have that ethos and they don't have the players to do it and they haven't been developing that for years and years or months and months. Yeah. So why bother trying it now? You know, get rid of it, get it down the line, whatever. Get it into their box and, and stop messing around with it. It's happened. I don't know how many goals we've conceded from it, but it feels like it's quite a few.
0: Yeah, it does, it does. And West Ham, you know, coming into this in decent form, um, beat Newcastle in their last game. Uh, they mm. were beaten by Man City, but they did beat Fulham and Drew with Crystal Palace and Liverpool. So, they're on decent form. Um, they're a good team. So, it, it's going to be tough and they've got some really good players. Like you said, the manager, um, Richard Pellegrino, was was backed in the summer, um, bought some, some good players. He's a very good manager and it's yeah. gonna be a tough game, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um I I would be shocked if we won, let's put it that way. Um yeah. I was more confident going into the Everton and Watford games and you know they turned out the way and the Wolves, they turned out the way they did. So um, you know, God help us really with this lot coming. But um yeah, if Cardiff aren't really on it and West Ham aren't having a bit of a bad day it could be another spanking for the Bluebirds. And that really would be, you know, miserable, given the run of games that we've got coming up soon.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that that run of games and looking at, you know, the rest of the season and, you know, we've got Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool and Man United. (laughs) Chances of us picking up any points out of any of them is very slim. So that means, you know, we've only got West Ham, Brighton, Burnley, Fulham and, and Palace, five games really that we can realistically pick up points and there's still some some tough games and looking at the you know, our relegation rivals really are uh, Southampton and and maybe Burnley and Brighton um, Southampton have, have got favourable fixtures, you know, Liverpool are the only top six uh, or top five team that, that they play, Brighton do play uh, Arsenal, Man City and Tottenham um, so you know Slightly better, but Cardiff still seems to have the, the, the worst run in and that's going to be, be a big decider come the end of the season.
1: The favourites to go down, aren't we? I mean, that yeah. is, you know, without any doubt. I mean, we were at the beginning of the season. Um, <clears throat> I felt more confident a few weeks ago than I do now. I'm generally, you know, glass half full, positive. Let's not get too down about it. Um, <clears throat> but these last three games have really given me very little reason to feel positive going forward. Um, it got to the stage where I was kind of coming home on the train on Saturday and I said to my son, I don't even think we're going to get another point this season. And I've never <laughs> felt like that. I mean, that's completely over the top, I think, but it, it, that's how I felt after the game. It was just that yeah. miserable and and you think, I've spent, goodness knows how much money, I've caught three trains there, three trains home, I've spent another day away from the family and all the rest of it and and I've watched that, and you think, you know, you, you start to think, was well, that even worth it? What, yeah. Why am I? Can't you, you have that. Why do I bother feeling? I haven't had that all season. And so, if, any, if you know, I would be happy on Saturday if we. I wouldn't <sighs> happy. Maybe the wrong word, but I'd be a lot more satisfied if we really fought to the final whistle and we we showed what we we're about. And we walked at the stadium saying, "Okay, lads, you know, you gave it your all, and that's what we haven't seen the last few weeks." So, yeah. Let's hope that we see a bit more of the old kind of passion, fight, team spirit back on the pitch that we've been missing the last... You're right. I think probably the whole of 2019, really.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it feels like like as the season goes on, like you said, that that sort of mentality has, has shifted. And so we'll, we'll try and end, end on a positive note, Paul, because I'm going to say we're going to win this one. one. Nil. Wow. Uh, okay. W- what are you thinking? <laughs> you're going to go negative no. we'll call it. do you want a
1: realistic My hon- you want my honest prediction always uh, 3-0 West Ham oh. <laughs> That hurt,
0: Paul but, uh,
1: caveat hope I'm wrong oh,
0: I hope you're wrong too but Paul listen thank you once again for, for joining us where can people find you on Twitter
1: at Bluebirdblogger
0: perfect and uh, hopefully you're wrong hopefully three points and hopefully a strong end to the season Absolutely. for Cardiff Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Scott. Always good to catch up with Paul there. And as always, you know the drill. We're always keen to get the view from the opposition here, the view from the Ninian. This week, West Ham fan Rick gives us the thoughts on the Hammers, their season so far, and the game against the Bluebirds. How are we getting on? Yes, not too bad, thanks. How are you?
2: Yeah, good. Cheers, getting by.
0: Good, good. Well, first of all, thank you very much for uh, for joining us at View from the Ninian. Obviously, uh, we're looking forward to the game. West Ham traveling to the Cardiff City Stadium on the weekend. Um, talk us to talk us through a bit about West Ham's season so far. Obviously, a lot of expectation in the summer. <clears throat> a big name manager came in. Good chunk of money spent. Started poorly, but it's really picked up since then, hasn't it?
2: Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'd agree there. So it was the first time really where we made, um, I suppose what some people call a statement of intent. So we actually put our hands in our pockets, spent some money, actually went out and got a decent manager, not a chancer. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it looked like the sort of foundation of something, uh, something decent was, uh, was being built. Uh, tough start, like you said. So uh, yeah, lots of first four games Looked pretty abject in three of those. Um, little bit of, little bit positive at arsenal away the but then we lost at home to wolves so and then it's into into, into the international break so it's a little bit of a tricky start but from there we sort of turned it round um, good win against everton and then uh, home to man united and a draw at home to chelsea and yeah we kicked we kicked on from there really um, what was that
0: know. turning point you think? <laughs> what was the change just maybe a players adjusting to to style or
2: I think it was just. I think the international break came at the right time. You, you yeah. know, you never, you never you never want to go go into it on the back of four defeats. But in hindsight, I think that gave us sort of two weeks where players could knock it down in training, learn that system that little bit more. Um, and at the same time, I think the right fixtures came along. Uh, Everton have been a little bit a um, little bit suspect at home this season. Um, everyone knows sort of Man United's plight under Mourinho this season. So that that game again came along at the right time. Uh, and playing Chelsea as well sort of came along at the right time because um, they they were still adapting to a new system under Sari and they they still are. So yeah, it's funny you know you get you sort of get the right games at the right time sometimes. Um, and that was uh, yeah sort of how we turned that around.
0: And we mentioned there that you spent quite a bit of money in the in the summer, almost 100 million, I think it was. Um, yeah, some good names: Lukas Fabianski, <clears> obviously <throat> the former Swansea. Um, and give the Cardiff fans booing as I say that. <laughs> Felipe nah. Anderson, Issa Yamalenko—you know, some some really sort of reputable players. And and who's impressed? Who's settled well? And who's been a really
2: important player for you? You mentioned Fabianski. Uh, for me personally, he's been our player of the season. I thought he'd make a big difference when he came in. He was a big upgrade on Adrian uh, and Joe Hart, who we had on loan. Um, so yeah, we signed you know someone who was a, a very good goalkeeper. He was, he was already at the top of the charts for uh, sort of number of saves made and goals prevented and that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, he was he was a big boost coming in. Felipe um, Anderson, obviously, he's uh, he's been a big hit since he came in. Um, scored quite a few goals. He's our top scorer, in fact. Just a create- so they were the two that for me. Those are the two sort of standout signings. Um, Issa Diop as well. He's adapted very well. He's um, you know he's, he, he already looks like our best centre back uh, and our best centre back for quite a few years. Uh, Bal, uh, Fabian Brainer came in as well, and he formed a good centre back partnership with um, with Diop, and that sort of shows you the sort of investment that, that, that the squad needed because you know we had two brand new centre backs that had never played in the Premier League and they they both came in and made the position their own and we've we've sort of missed uh, Balbuena since he's been out and our dog Bonner back in. So, uh yeah, looking forward to uh, to him being fit again.
0: Um, yeah, like you said, it was almost a, a whole new, you know, four out of the back five with Fabianski and and Ryan Fredericks has been injured a bit, but him and right back yeah. two, two cents a half. So, you know, four out of that back five were, you know, money given to to improve those areas, which, you know, I think we all know at Premier League level, you need to have a solid base there to to win win games and do well, don't you? So, obviously, the Premier League table at the moment, Rick, you're, you're sat in ninth. Um, yep. You know, a really, really positive season for you. And I think you know Wolves and, and Watford in particular have, have had you know stellar seasons. And, and if they were out of the picture, you know, it'd be an even better season for you were, and pushing on Europe, wouldn't you?
2: I'd agree, yeah. I mean, if you'd offered us at the, at the very start of the season before a ball was kicked ninth place, uh, I think most, you know, without getting carried away, I think every every West Ham fan would have taken that. When you're four games in and you've got no points on the board, you'd you know you'd take 17th, never mind ninth. <laughs> I mean. um, so yeah, to to finish, I think you know if you finish seventh in the league, you know you've essentially won that second sort of tier within the because you're not going to catch the top six really. So yeah. to be ninth is. Um, yeah it is is a pretty good season and as i mentioned how it started it's it's um yeah, it's, it's a good season so far i think uh, i think we could be wrong here but i think we're four points behind wolves at the moment so uh yeah. we're certainly not certainly not far off them so having started basically giving everyone else a four game head start to uh, to be where we are is uh, yeah a pretty good turnaround i'd say
0: the last few seasons have, have been a bit you know in turmoil a bit and you know dismay at the owners maybe not spending the money some of the managers were questionable maybe or, or not you know, it's the standard that West Ham wanted so this is a real season to you know to build a foundation on isn't it you know finish ninth you know a good manager who I'm guessing is going to be with the club for for a few years um and really build on that for you
2: undoubtedly yeah so he's on a three-year contract initially um yeah you know, if if it continues to go well i can't see why that wouldn't be extended um but yeah as I, as i said sort of at the start it was the first time where we've you know we sort of looked like we have made uh a positive step with you know getting a decent manager rather than just sort of treading water or with pick, sort of picking whoever's available went after a top level manager yeah um <clears throat> you know he knows what he's doing both tactically uh, in the transfer market he knows the premier league so yeah we're certainly building a um, a strong foundation to to kick on from here um obviously you know there's a limit to the success we can achieve but i, I think if um if he only manages for 3 years and we had three top flight uh, three top half finishes that would be uh that would be uh, a, good, uh, a good a good a uh, good return for sure
0: and heading into the the weekends game you're in decent form obviously. In the last five, there's only two wins in the last five, but they, two of them have been against Man City and, and Liverpool. And, and you took a bit of a thrashing at the hands of Wolves, didn't you? Who are, who are, um, which is no shame in that, really, that they're handing a lot of yeah. teams thrashings, including ourselves. But you've beaten the teams at the bottom of the table. You know, Fulham, you beat 3-1 recently. In the last game, you beat Newcastle 2-0. So coming into mm. the game against Cardiff, um, how are you feeling about that? Are you, are you confident?
2: Uh, you're never that confident as, uh, as a cynical West Ham fan like myself but I think, go, I think looking into the game on balance I'd say yes I'm confident um, I can see a, I can see us getting a, getting a win uh, <clears throat> at the weekend unfortunately for yourselves you know um, <clears throat> and I think the form that, that we're in at the minute yeah I think I can see us uh, getting a win at the weekend that said I don't, I don't think it's going to be easy um, you know Warnock knows how to set up a team at home to defend. Uh, so, and we we do occasionally have a problem trying to break teams down. Um, so it's not going to be an easy win, but I think we will win it. Yeah, well,
0: I think the one thing you've you've got in your favour, and one of the things Cardiff fans have been reflecting on this this week is that West Ham is a bit of a bogey <laughs> team for for Cardiff. And you know we've lost the last seven games against against West Ham, and you know. The form that we've been in the last three games, it's hard to see that uh, that changing. Um, but you know, we remain optimistic. Earlier on in, in the podcast, I gave my prediction of a, I think it was a one-nil win. I gave so, um, but what's your prediction, Rick? Uh, <clears throat> I,
2: I was thinking about this earlier today, so I thought you'd ask me this. So my uh, my prediction is a two-nil win to West Ham. Okay. Uh, I'm fully aware this is being broadcast to uh, anyone in the world who wants to listen to it, and I'll probably eat your words come five <laughs> o'clock Saturday. But uh, yeah, I'll stick by. <laughs> I'll stick by a two 0 West Ham win.
0: Yeah. Well, Rick, perfect. Thank you very much for joining us. Where can people find you on Twitter?
2: Uh, so at Rick himself one zero
0: one. Perfect. Well, hopefully, you know Cardiff win. Your prediction's wrong, and people can tweet
2: you, uh, proving that your prediction's wrong. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time and it certainly won't be the last. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Perfect. Cheers, Rick. Enjoy the game. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Buddy.
0: Well, thanks to Rick there and thanks to Paul earlier for joining us. And as always, thanks to you for listening. Please do subscribe and give us a rating and go check us out at com. Some great stuff on there. We've with Anthony Pilkinson this week. And coming up, we've got an in-depth interview with Russell Slade. It'll be a good one. We're on Facebook and on Twitter, so let us know what you think. And come on City.